Once again, welcome. Welcome, everyone. This evening, I want to begin with a story. I'm the center, central character of the story. So once upon a time, I was on a month-long retreat, and it was it felt like it was maybe towards the middle of the retreat, and uh, things were cooking along in my meditation practice in a really sweet way, and I was kind of extending my meditation sits uh, just because the uh, just everything was kind of calm and settled and sweet. And what would happen is at the end of the meditation, the bell would ring and I'd often continue to sit some more just because there was a lot of momentum. But what started to happen was the person sitting in front of me, their habit right after the bell rang, kind of rustling during, kind of rustling around during the meditation, sitting meditation. And then right afterwards, I would have my eyes closed, but I would hear this like, what sounded like the biggest, loudest yawn I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> and the wild thing was, is it sounded like, I mean, you know how the mind can be. It sounded like it was like two inches away from me, this yawn. And I thought, well, I'm going to just open up my eyes just to see what's going on. And lo and behold, the person's head was like, it felt like about three inches from my lap. You know, so here it is, like somebody's head right here, like stretching their body out, <laughs> yawning. And I so wish I could tell you right now that I was not irritated but that would be a lie <laughs> it because it felt like oh this person they're interrupting my sweet meditation what's up with this what are they doing in the meditation hall acting like this and this went on for a while and so did my irritation and then there was a turn and what began to happen is it was like i could i could see that i was starting to really take in that this person was having a really hard time on retreat. They were struggling, and I, I felt like I, I began to see and sense their humanity. Life's tough. Life's difficult. And here it was right in front of me. And once I started to really see their humanity, the, the common struggle that all of us have, it's like my heart began to soften. I, I, the irritation began to settle. And it was all because of a change of perception. I perceived them differently. And this is what I want to share with you tonight is, is how a, a change of perception how it opens a doorway for our heart. It can be so powerful, changing perception. A doorway opens for our heart. And this, I think, story also speaks to kind of two essential pieces on the spiritual path that we're always exploring here together. One is the Part of what we're doing, part of what we're trying to uh, have clarity about is these deeper and deeper realizations of how the world of experience, moment to moment experience, it arises 
in part dependent upon perception. That person appeared, the world of that a person appeared to me dependent upon how I was perceiving them. Either they were disrupting my meditation, it was dependent upon perception who that person was, or I saw their humanity, I saw their struggle and there was compassion. There was a different sense of perception and there was a different world I was inhabiting. The world I inhabit is in part dependent upon perception. And then it's also realizing, and this is some of what we're going to play with this evening in a very particular way, is how malleable perception is. One way of understanding all the practices we're doing is it's having the ability to perceive experience from a different angle. And learning how fluid perception is, learning how to shape perception in a way that that opens the doorway to a freer heart. And getting a sense of this, you know, deeper and deeper levels. And when I say change perception, sometimes I, I feel like that's maybe not the, the best word because it, it, it's like getting to the point when you feel it in your bones. Where it's, it's this fully embodied way where, where there's a whole different world I'm moving into and the way I act, the way I am is radically different, just like in that story. I think this is one way of framing really the spiritual path, changing perception in a full-bodied way that leads to, to freedom, to awakening. And the way I'd like to, to explore this together with you is to share with you some poems, because I think some poetry is really amazing in this way, because it, it, it shares in a particular way that changes my perception often that undermines my habitual way of perceiving the world. And then this whole other world opens up. And I think this is the power of poetry. And it's interesting, the, the Buddha, I think it's said that in every teaching the Buddha gave, he uses some kind of simile or metaphor to help explain his point. I haven't verified this, but it seems like it's, <laughs> it's close to true. And and when I think of that, when I take that in, and also knowing that, that most people think that the Buddha didn't speak just one language, but he's probably spoke many of the different dialects that were in northern India that he was traveling to. And I imagine the Buddha as someone trying to find just the right image or just the right analogy and just the appropriate language to reveal some aspect of this path and practice to people. Those of you who are maybe in the 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 study group where we're reading suttas this this is one of the things that we discussed at times oh he's saying something to this particular person how they're situated to reveal something and you can find this you know sometimes in with just a phrase around trying to get a different sense of aspects of our experience like as the buddha says about hateful anger when our hearts are filled with hateful anger that it's uh that what hateful anger is he says hateful anger with its poisoned root and honeyed tip i find that so helpful to perceive hateful anger you could say wisely the honeyed tip sometimes have you noticed i can feel so right in my anger 
And there's something seductive and enticing about it, as if I really know what's going on when I'm lost in that emotion. And yet the root of it is so poisonous when it's acted out on in unskillful ways. To, to change my perception around hateful anger so I don't get as hooked by it. So poetry. Really, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to be sharing with you some poems. <laughs> I'm kind of excited about this. <laughs> and then uh, we'll get a sense of how it can change perception in a, a powerful way. And the, this first um, poem, segment of a poem, comes from the Zen poet uh, Ryo Khan. And I've always found him to be quite inspiring, both because of his life as a Zen monk in Japan, his poetry, and how it's mixed with his humanity. You know, much of the time he was a hermit, but then he'd go down in the village to beg for food. And while he was there, he'd spend most of his time just playing with the kids, all these games. <laughs> I want to share with you a few lines from one of his poems, which I feel like changes my perception in a potent way. He says, don't say my hut has nothing to offer. Come and I will share with you the cool breeze that fills my window. So again, don't say my hut has nothing to offer. Come and I will share with you the cool breeze that fills my window. Can you hear how it might inter undermine some habitual ways of perceiving for you? That's for me. One, it undermines my sense of what I think is valuable, valuable to give. It undermines often the things I feel like I own or possess of value. And it also gives, don't you think, a much broader sense of what it means to give. Isn't that a beautiful thing, to give the cool breeze that fills your window? What would that be like to offer that wholeheartedly? It feels like Ryokan's asking us to to ask that question, what is, what is of real value? And really, what does it mean to give? What are all the dimensions of giving? Zen Master Dogen, in a similar way, kind of expands what it means to give. He says, to launch a boat or build a bridge or acts of giving. If you study giving closely, Dogen says, you see that to accept a body and to give up the body are both giving. Making a living and producing things can be nothing other than giving. To leave flowers to the wind, to leave birds to the seasons are also acts of giving. 
you give yourself to yourself and to others. Do you hear the dimensionality of giving here? And I want to point out generosity is a huge part of what we explore in this community. It's generosity that keeps this community going since we do everything on a Donna basis, the spirit of reciprocity. And part of that is because it has a tremendous amount of depth to it. And the tradition, the reason why it's set up this way traditionally is because there's such value in exploring the full dimensionality of generosity. I mean, what, can you imagine what would it be like to walk in the world with the sense of giving that Rio Khan and the Zen Master Dogen are sharing with us? What would it be like to perceive giving in that way and to embody giving in that way? Can you get a sense of how it would be a different world that you'd be entering? If even leaving flowers to the wind and birds to the seasons are acts of giving, boy, each moment of our lives would feel different. And again, this is what we're trying to explore here. This is our experiment together around this. Whether it be literally sharing with others and with this community, the cool breeze that fills your window, or metaphorically, right? Through volunteering or financial support. The whole dimensionality of this. I think giving can be powerful around this, this framework of a change of perception. So often it's seen as like this simple act that we're supposed to do at the beginning of this path and practice to get things ready. But I want to show how much depth of wisdom is there, how it's connected to letting go of this fixed little self at times, the little stories that we get hooked into. For example, I remember a, a practitioner who, I think this might have, uh, I can't remember when, there was a huge crash in the the housing market and they had to it was the the uh, worst timing, but they had to sell their house to move right at the low point. And they were going to be losing a tremendous amount of money. And it was something that was causing them a lot of anxiety and worry and distress. And they found out that this uh, young woman was going to be buying the house. It was going to be the help. She's being helped by her family and her extended family. She was second generation. Her parents were first generation. And then there was a change in perception. This person thought to themselves, you know, I can feel like I'm losing a lot of money or I can go through the same process and see that this can be such a sweet act of generosity. This young woman coming into her own, also this significant um, act and happening for the entire family and a house that she could get in a way that was financially reasonable for her and her family. 
And all of a sudden, it was like she felt her heart being filled with generosity. Oh, I feel so good to be able to offer this to her. She said it, it ended up being such a, a beautiful experience. Right? Just a change of perception and a doorway opens for our hearts. This is the power of this. What is it to be generous? What is it? Where do we find value? Or another small poem by Rio Khan. The thief left it behind. The moon at my window. The thief, the thief, they left it behind, right? <laughs> the moon at my window. What's truly of value? Can you feel a change of perception, how it can open a doorway for our hearts? And now another poem I want to share with you, and it's uh, really, I, I want to frame it around this value of joy. Cultivating gladness and joy is a central part of the spiritual path. And it's also expression of, of, of this path. For example, the king of Kosala was uh, talking with the Buddha and he, and he said, you know, it's so interesting, your, your practitioners, they seem to be so different than the other monastics and practitioners out there. And the way they're different is they're, they're so joyful, they're so happy. They're, uh, uh, they're living, as, as it said in Pali, the early scriptural language, language, with a gazelle's mind, which means they're so lighthearted. That's the direction of this path. And part of this, what I found out is that part of the practice I need to learn is being able to allow into my heart, allow my heart to be filled with joy. The joy that comes from beauty, from the wholesome, the good. To be struck by it in a powerful way. And I think this, this poem by Javier Galvez so short captures this. The title of the poem is This Morning. He says, This morning the sun broke my window and came in laughing. This morning, this morning the sun broke my window and came in laughing. Do you hear the description of a very different perception? So often we get confined by ideas like, oh, here I am and I'm sitting down and the sunlight's coming through the window and I feel a lot of joy. <laughs> this is a whole other world a whole other spectrum of being struck by beauty in the world. Don't you think? And it, it, it harkens back, it reminds me, 
I, I find it important for me to remember the Buddha lived in such a different world in the sense of that it was an animated world. It was a world where the rocks and the trees and the wind were alive. They were living beings that would communicate with you, the sun and the stars. You know, in this modern reductionistic world that's been lost. And of course, the Buddha didn't explicitly talk about it because it was just the world he was living in. It was just assumed that the world was animated. And maybe this is what gets left out, what we leave behind in a mechanistic world is being struck. The sun no longer breaks our windows and comes in laughing. And also what it breaks down for me is so often it can feel like I'm the one having joy right here. Do you hear the relational aspect? I mean, here the sun is, it's like breaking the window and coming in laughing. That's a different kind of joy to be struck in this way. A change of perception and a, and a doorway opens for our hearts. And then an also a place where we explore a lot on the spiritual path, a change of perception, is around our sense of self. So often there can be a fixed sense of self or a confining sense of self that limits our freedom. Like the story I began with, what the problem was, I was lost in my world. I had a whole story going on about the way the world should be. And I missed the humanity of the person right in front of me. And much of the spiritual practice is beginning to free ourselves from those confines. I'd like to share with you a poem that I think uh, is a very creative way of expressing this, of offering a different perception, offering an invitation of a change of perception around this. It's by the poet Danusha Lumeris, really great poet. And it's called Fictional Characters. So it just adds up. She's referring to a number of different fictional characters and different novels, and she's playing with, with them. So, so, so some of these references are, are, are to certain books and novels and things like that. So she begins by asking this around fictional characters. She says, do they ever want to escape? Climb out of the curved white pages and enter our world? Holden Caulfield slipping in the side door of the movie theater to catch the two o'clock. Anna Karenina sitting in the local diner reading the paper as the waitress in a bright green uniform serves up a cheeseburger and a Coke. Even Hector, on break from the Iliad, takes a stroll through the park, admires a fresh bed of tulips. Who knows? Maybe they were growing tired of the author's mind, all its twists and turns, 
or they were finally weary of stumbling around Pamplona, a bottle in each fist, eating lotuses on the banks of the Nile. Perhaps it was just too hot in the small California town where they'd been written into a lifetime of plowing fields. Whatever the reason, here they are, content to spend the day roaming the city streets, rain falling on their phantasmal shoulders, enjoying the bustle of the crowd. Wouldn't you, if you could, step out of your own story to lean for an afternoon against the doorway of the five and dime sipping your coffee? Your life somewhere far behind you, all its heat and toil, nothing but a tail in the hands of a stranger, the dingy sidewalk ahead, wet and glistening. Right. Wouldn't you, if you could, step out of your own story? Have you noticed the story that you've been written into can feel so confining? Ever noticed that? The step out of the, the parts you're playing in that novel? Whatever parts though those are, right? Maybe you play the role of a parent or a child or a sibling or a citizen, an employee or an employer. And there it is. You're just following your lines and it can feel so confining. What would it be like to step out of that and to be free? What does it mean to step out of those roles? For me, sometimes it's, how do I step out of the role, yet still play the part when I'm asked to? That's so much of this path in this practice, a change of perception around our roles, the story, our lines, right? Because when there's a change of perception, a doorway can open for our hearts. Yeah, so may this practice offer us a change of perception in a way that opens the doorway a new doorway for our hearts. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.